you got to stay with me to the end on this message this morning. I need to, first of all, make mention that according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that there are 28 cycles of life that are possible. And I say that to say this, that all events and cycles of life are not demonic, but often very natural. And I say that so we don't immediately run in our own minds or the minds, you know, even in our own heart almost to, you know, an alarm that if there is a cycle going on that You interpret it wrong. You attribute it to a demonic force. Or that you attribute it to somehow that you, you know, have missed something. Are you hearing me? It's very important that we understand the balance of life. And, you know what I mean, the, the cycles of and in life. There is a time. There is a season. There is a cycle. So your situation or my situation, it may not be anything but the natural process of life. With that being said, we are living in remarkable and uncertain times. There's great personal, economic, political, international, national, and heavenly disasters going on. I will shake both earth and heaven. The book of Haggai chapter 2 verse 7. God says I will shake all nations. But you know what all said? He said I will also fill it with my glory. My. The prophet Isaiah in 24, it says the foundations do shake. Earth breaks to pieces. Earth is split in pieces. Earth reels like a drunken man. Earth rocks like a hammock. Under the weight of its transgression, earth falls down to rise no more.
51 and 6 says, Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall grow old like a garment. The world itself shall crumble. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation knows no end. You can get in deep territory, deep waters, when you start looking at the end time things without a doubt. But when God shakes our world, and you probably would agree with me this morning, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Yeah, a whole lot of shaking going on. But I want you to notice in Hebrews chapter 12 who the shaker is. God says, I will shake. And he follows that up. And he says that, that what is shaken and what is lost needs to be lost. Hallelujah. God will shake everything that can be shaken. The natural, the spiritual, national and personal in our lives until all that remains is Him. It's like a, those strong winds that blow those dead leaves that have nested in the branches of our life. See, I believe that Christ does not intend his church to be messed up. I believe he intends it to be dressed up. Hallelujah. It is a fact that when society begins to call what God calls bad, they call it good. God calls it bad. That society is on a collision course with God. Oh, hallelujah. He says, I'm going to remove and I'm going to set in. He said, I'm going to take the thing away and I'm going to place in its spot that which remains or has a right foundation. According to Jesus in Luke chapter 21, that peaceful societies will crumble into violence. Family unity will go into conflict. Situations will cause sorrows. And people are going to be easily offended. 
Nation will rise against nation. You hear of wars and rumors of wars. Now, we're not at the tribulation. But we are not going to wake up one day like a light switch and it's happened. It is a progressive, gradual slide. Oh, hallelujah. I love what he says. He says that these things will happen, but in verse 13 of Daniel, or excuse me, of Luke 21, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for your testimony. Give the Lord a praise. Hallelujah. Amen. God uses some amazing platforms. He used the den of lions to get the king's attention. He used an amazing fiery furnace that slew the attenders to get the king's attention. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to talk so much about what God's going to do with the world. I want to talk about what God's going to do with us. For if judgment begins, first of all, at the house of God, then what will happen to those that don't obey the gospel? God's eye is more on us. God's heart is more toward us. God's mission is more about his kingdom. According to John the Baptist, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 12, it says that Jesus is going to begin to remove the chaff from the wheat. When he said, I baptize you indeed unto repentance, but there's one who stands among us. He is coming and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire whose who's, uh, fan is in his hand. And he will go ahead and begin to winnow it. To remove or to separate the chaff from the wheat. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. We get, or maybe we get, you know, so that we see the chaff flying. But God knows that the end result is the wheat. Hallelujah. Malchiah said this. Chapter 3. He said he will remove the dross from the silver. He will sit as a refiner's fire. 
I, God's been working on me so much. It's just like, I get it now. <laughs> and for your information, Daniel saw the nations become like chaff of the summer on a threshing floor. Comfort zones sometimes are dealt with so that we'll go deeper with God. Go deeper with God. Sometimes we, we go through a cold winter so that our roots will go down. We get to the true source. helps us. Isaiah 48 says this, 10 and 11, he says, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake I do this. How can I let myself be defamed I will not yield my glory to another. No, I'm not sure everybody falls in the big category, but I mean, when you take a look at your church, you know what I mean? Uh, well, it's worldwide. There's a few things he's got them to deal with. But good news is, is no matter the season, God is with us. Because he does not shake us to torment us. He, shaken, he shakes us to awaken us. He does not do these things to cause us pain, but he wants to pull us closer to him. He's not just taking something away when he shakes us. He's trying to give us something. The book of Hebrews says... 28 and 29, since you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Woo. Hallelujah. You are receiving an unshakable kingdom. We're not losing, we're gaining. If you look at what things are shaken, you know, then you'll come up with the wrong conclusion. But notice what he says. That we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. He's putting an angle on it. He said, I, 
going to shake things so that you regain the holy perspective. I'm shaking it so you regain the holy perspective. Hello, that reverence and awe and godly fear begins to attend to our lives. The wonderful thing is that when this shaking is finally finished in those things that have crumbled in our lives, there are new dreams that begin to arise out of it. We know that every cross leads to Easter and every passion leads to resurrection. Just as Jesus died and rose again, hallelujah, so will we. He says, I'll tell you how to survive a catastrophe. In Psalms chapter 50 and verse 15. Call to me in the day of trouble. And I shall rescue you. And you will honor me. So no matter what, when you're going through hell, keep your eyes on heaven. Because when earth turns against you, heaven turns toward you. We must not be surprised by adversity. Not at all. But sometimes I think there is a call from God. A call to repentance for some. And the course, or how can I put it? Let me, let me back up here. A call to repentance for some and a course correction for others. That makes sense? Course correction. Hallelujah. I'd rather be shaken by God than by the devil. Now, does the devil try to shake you? Absolutely. He told Peter, he said, Peter, the devil has desired to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. The devil is always after your faith. He always wants to bring a dilution, diluting in there. A challenge to your faith. And even to try to get you to do something that you shouldn't do. 
even though it's possible to do it. If you're the son of God, go ahead and make these stones into bread. How many know that he can make stone into bread? Yeah. God shakes our soul so he can shake our world. The prophet Isaiah experienced this. Isaiah chapter 6. He experienced a soul-shaking and a launching. He had a fresh vision of God's holiness. He had an awareness of his sinfulness. And God then went ahead and commissioned him. He shakes our soul because he wants to shake the world that's around you. You've got to be cold or hot. You can't be lukewarm from last Sunday's message. And that's why Peter said, I don't want you to be surprised by adversity. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be shocked or surprised when you suffer through painful tests and trials as if something strange is happening to you. There's just a whole lot of shaking going on. Remember when Jesus' personal words in John 16 and 33, in the world you experience difficulties, but take heart. I have conquered the world. I have told you this, that in trusting in me, you will be unshakable and deeply at peace. Amen? Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. We want to look for ways that God would use it for good. How God wants to use it in your life. It's, it's not a time to regress or protest. Instead, it's time to reset. Oh, yes. And come into agreement with, with God. And to resist the attacks of the enemy. Jeremiah said that God has good plans. He's trying to give you hope in a future. When we lose hope, we lose our anchor. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Hope is an anchor.
So why does God shake things up? God shakes things up to inspect me. Jeremiah 17 and 10 says, The Lord searches our hearts and examines our deepest motives so that he can give to each person his right reward according to how he has lived. Remember, Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where he begins to say, every man's work is going to be tried. And it depends on what happens after the trial determines Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. How do you respond to God's no? Sometimes I act spoiled. Yeah. You guys don't do that. You know, I do. I can come up with every reason why God should say yes. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I'm a good lawyer at times. Good lawyer for myself. God shakes things up to correct me. Not just inspect me, but to, to, to correct me. It says in Hebrews that, that God corrects all of his children. And if he doesn't correct you, then you really don't belong to him. Basically, he's saying there's something wrong with your birth. Now, we've got to put that into perspective. All right? In reality, what he's saying is, if you reject his correction, if you rebel against his correction, then he says, we got a problem. Got a problem. Consider yourself fortunate in God. How powerful Jesus is. Proverbs 15 and 32 says, If you reject discipline, you will only harm God not only shakes things up to correct me, but he also shakes things up to direct me. 
Proverbs 16 and 9 says, A person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 1 and 30 says this, Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Psalms 19 and 59 says, I thought about my life and I directed my feet back to your written instructions. And David said before us, Aren't you glad you're in his hands? Hallelujah. Really? He said, I want to present to myself a glorious church, not of having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now, I don't think that's a reference to the last day church. I think that's a reference to God's working in everyone, you know what I mean, throughout the church history. Are you telling me? Because if we, if we use that one, then the apostles' church age, they didn't quite, you know, make it to glorious. And, you know, they just can't quite be part of that group then. They can be there, but they're not going to be part of that group. <laughs> every one of us, every generation, at any time. Oh, no, no age discrepancies. God shakes things up to protect us. Job 36 and 16 says that God has led you away from danger, giving you freedom. How many know that was quite a trial? God said, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. I've been praying lately. I said, God, you know what I mean? I'm just tired of my own thoughts. I need to get some of yours. (laughs) Huh? Why mess around with my thoughts? You know? He said, my, you know? Why mess around with my ways? Lord, I'm, I'm going to stick right in there. Genesis 50 and 20, and you're familiar with it. Joseph said, you intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good. God shakes things up, says to perfect me. 1 Peter 5 and 10, after you've suffered for a while, the God of all grace calls you to share his eternal glory in union with Christ, will himself perfect you and give you firmness, strength, and a sure foundation. According to Romans chapter 5, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials 
for we know that they are good for us. They help us to learn to be patient. Patience helps us to trust. I'm not there. More and more I feel like I'm on the potter's wheel. You'd think at 73 I'd almost be finished, wouldn't you? But how can you grow from it? How can you grow from it? We have to trust God for what we don't understand. Proverbs 20, 24 says, Since the Lord is directing your steps, why try to understand everything that happens along the way? It just, it just you know, out of our world. This is not carelessness, it's relinquishment. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Honor the Lord in everything you do and He will give you, you know, a future. I said, stay with me. We've discovered some of the good news in the shaking, but listen what Isaiah 54 says. Though the mountains may be removed and the hills may be shaken, my loving kindness will not depart from you, and my covenant of peace will not be broken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Woo! Bring it on. Hebrews 13 and 5 says, I'll never leave you nor will I forsake you. God made this promise to Israel. Those people that were in captivity, and they also made it to the Gentile church according to Galatians chapter 4, verse 27. Paul draws upon the Old Testament word. And he applies it to the church. Oh, hallelujah. So whenever you feel abandoned, when you're going through the storms of life, God says, my kindness will not depart. My covenant of peace will not be broken. Because he is the Lord who has compassion on you. He said you should always remember the rainbow when you're faced with the floodwaters of life. Isaiah 54 in 9 
God interjects that passage of Scripture in there as he begins to speak to his people about his promises. He says, this is like the waters of Noah to me. Every shaking will have its limits, both in its duration and its severity. He's saying, you can trust me. You can trust me. The good news is, is that our commander, I love it, in Psalms 46. God is a refuge for his people and a conqueror of the nations. God will be a river to us that will overflow. God will be exalted among the nations. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. That same Psalms 46 says that there will be peace even though there's chaotic circumstances. Hallelujah. I love what verse 5 says when God says, when does he help? When it gets the darkest. It says that God shall help her at the break of dawn. What does that mean? It's always darkest before the dawn. When it's the darkest, God says. Hallelujah. Stand with me, would you? I don't know if we have a song, and I love songs, so. So as we leave this morning, all struggles and challenges and the events in life are not always demonic opposition. But what can happen? Those struggles and challenges so often fill up the horizon of our ordinary vision. That's what we see. Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, all he could see was the natural armies. It just filled the valley. And he said, oh my, what are we going to do? And Elijah said, you don't know that there's more with us than there is with them. 
So when Paul writes and says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, etc., 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 you know what I mean? He said there might be a lot of them, but there's more with us than there is with them. Give a Lord of praise this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. There's more. There's more. He prayed that day that Gehazi could have his eyes opened and see. He could actually see into the heavenlies. Amen. I like that. He, he didn't just go on Elijah's word, oh, that was true, but Elijah prayed and said, you know what, Lord? They really need to see. He really needs to see. The church really needs to see. Amen. The church really needs to see. And you know what's interesting is not only were there more of them, but they were matched in terms of they had chariots, God had chariots. Huh? They had news reporters. God had news reporters. Give the Lord a praise. Woo! Amen, church. Hallelujah. That's why I turn on. Channel Holy Bible. And I read Psalms 46. God is our refuge and strength of every present help and trouble. Therefore we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and, the tr and are troubled, though the mountains shake with swelling, there is a river. Come on over to the river. Hallelujah. Whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place, the tabernacle of According to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, every cycle is a gift with something to offer. He makes everything beautiful in its own time. Catch it, you see it? Every cycle, there is a gift. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint. Run to the end. 
hallelujah. There's a finish line. There's a finish line for every one of those cycles of life. Life is always purposeful, but not always enjoyable. When you understand cycles of life, you will ease the burden that it brings. Let me give this little family element here. Moms and dads, young ones. Oh, the terrible twos. Grandpas and grandmas, there's no such thing as terrible twos. <laughs> you know, it's just life. They'll come out of that season. Yeah, I mean, you're all here. You got out of that season, Gordy, and I bet your twos, they're rough, man. But you got out of that season. Look at him today. Yeah, amen, a man of God, really, seriously, you know what I mean? It would never happen without those, but, you know? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is not a nonchalant message, not at all, you know what I mean? There's a hand that's shaking things. Praise the Lord. I just want to read again from Isaiah. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation knows no end. Hallelujah. Absolutely. Remember, it's an invitation. God gives the invitation. We give the invitation. The response, of course, is to those that are invited. Hallelujah. Go with God. Amen. Just let me hit you. Thank you, church. Amen.